Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Greg's along for the ride on a Monday installment of the program. Our Mondays, as you know, are always brought to you by the best place around to have fun, and that is the Best Bet. Three great locations in this area. Best Bet Jacksonville is on Monument. Best Bet Orange Park on US 17. And, of course, that beautiful new St. Augustine location right off the interstate. Off I-95 is fantastic. $280 no-limit hold'em satellites now into the winter open main event happened uh, this week at Best Bet Jacksonville. So head over there. All kind of fun stuff going on. Frangie and Carlion, Brooks and RJ Saunders with you. Uh, we have a brand-new coordinator in town, it would appear. Ryan Nielsen, uh, the coordinator last year with the Atlanta Falcons under Arthur Smith, sort of a rising star in the business. Uh, will be the brand-new coordinator. We'll get to that. Uh, we're trying to reach out to Dave Archer. I talked to my buddy Wes Durham who's the uh, play-by-play voice of the Falcons. Um, Wes, as you probably know, does a lot of basketball, television basketball on ACC Network and some of the ESPN properties. Uh, So he is uh, not able to join us. But uh, Dave Archer, we're hoping, his color commentator for, gosh, I think they've been together 25 years, something like that. And so the former Falcons quarterback, Dave Archer, who stayed there and is on the color commentators. We're trying to track down Dave. So hopefully Dave can join us on the program a little bit today and tell us a little bit about Ryan Nielsen. So we got all kind of stuff to get to. We'll get to ball games. We'll get to uh, what a great weekend in the NFL. Some hoop as well. Man, it was cold over the weekend. Were you cold? Yeah, I mean, it was cold. Got, you know, we got plants covered. I mean, we it was got like, covered. What's going on here? We covered. Did you cover plants? I only had to bring one plant yeah, in. Right. That sort of. Okay. That was my job. All right. One plant had to come into the garage. Okay. Did you cover plants? We did. Yeah, we covered. What'd you we cover? moved them and covered them. What'd you cover? A lot. What'd you move and what'd you cover? Uh, several different plants. Okay, yeah. I can go through them, but I don't think you, you care can, that you much. Can. I covered, uh, we covered yeah. we covered the tea trees and the crotons because they they're like tropical, and yes. uh, but we had a uh, it was I mean we were out there it was cold like cold cold. Yeah, succulents uh, were part of the ones that we had mm-hmm. to move, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was uh it was cold, but this week it's going to be warm, so break out the tank tops. Eight, in the like shorts. eighty on Thursday, I think it was eighty. <laughs> so I'm, uh, man, what a great football weekend! We'll get to all that coming up. Um. Uh, the Chiefs find a way to carry on. They're just a hard team to beat. Uh, the Ravens look really good. The only bad half of football, the only uninteresting half of football is the second half of the Ravens-Texans game. The rest of the the other seven halves were just fantastic, weren't they? It was, I mean, it was just there. There was three, how many games were there? Four, yeah, three, right. yeah, seven halves. So it was a fantastic, fantastic weekend for football. Certainly talk all about that uh, coming up on the program today. What it means, I got some college football thoughts uh, that ran through my mind. We'll get to that later on. In the program as well. A lot of stuff to get to. But let's start with Ryan Nielsen. Uh, the Jaguars, it's being reported that uh, Ryan Nielsen, one year the coordinator in Atlanta before that, an assistant head coach, co-coordinator with the Saints. Uh, his background's a very interesting one. A rising star, a guy that started his career at USC. Really uh, learned, learned under Coach O, Eddie O. Uh, and, but, uh, but really was a rising star in the NFL. Uh, offered the job at uh, LSU as the coordinator under Coach O. Was going to take it, but then Sean Payton countered with a big offer to be the 
the uh, co-coordinator and a three-year deal for assistant head coach. Then he's gone, uh, winds up in Atlanta as a coordinator, and uh, gets here. So do you know enough about him? Got any early thoughts? Yeah, I I would say I'm more uh, less enthusiastic than maybe the the fans. I, I, right. I the fans are are excited, and that's great. And and hopefully he's fantastic. I uh, I'm surprised there's not a little bit more of a resume here. It's one year as a coordinator, which is surprising to me because I would think you'd want to basically hand the defense over to him. I uh, so it's it's one year as a coordinator. And the thing that, that stood out to me is, uh, and, and I, I'm going to get to some things in his favor, uh, but the thing that, that stood out to me that's a concern is it's one year and he really didn't face any quarterbacks of consequence you know, this season. When you look at it, he faced Bryce Young twice, Carr twice, Mayfield twice in the division. Then he faced Jordan Love in week two. Jared Goff, Trevor, Stroud, Sam Howell, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, who was knocked out of that game, and Josh Dobbs came in basically having just arrived and went all over Atlanta. Uh, Kyler Murray, Tim Boyle, Gardner Minshew, and Justin Fields. So, I mean, he hasn't seen Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak, Herbert, Burrow, Cousins, Tua, Purdy, Stafford, Hurts. So that's a little bit of a concern to me and, and something where I think you have to look at the numbers, which some of them are great. They were Atlanta was third in the league in third down. Uh, that's great at 34% basically. But they didn't take the ball away when this whole mantra this year was think takeaways. Well, Atlanta was 29th in the league with 16. So uh, now this is the benefit of the doubt that I will give him. Atlanta has invested very little first-round picks on that side of the ball. Uh, so it's not like he's working with a lot of first-round talent. Um, so, uh, you know, so there's – I think schematically there's good things. Uh, will he be an upgrade? I think he probably will be. Will it be dramatic? That would surprise me if it's a dramatic upgrade. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing that stands out is Mike Caldwell – whether it was because of the personnel that he had or his preference, played a lot of zone. And Ryan Nielsen wants to play man and certainly played man a lot. The Falcons played it uh, the third most in the league last year. So that, to me, is the biggest shift between the two if you're looking for differences. It is surprising to me. He's only been a coordinator one year. He's going to come here, considering Caldwell was a first-year coordinator here for the last two seasons. Uh, but overall, I guess it's a it's a shift in the scheme that I think Doug Peterson wants to run defensively. All right, we'll talk, and I'll give you all my thoughts. We'll start the next segment with a, with a lot of detail about that. But, yeah, Ryan Nielsen, and I'll give you all my thoughts on it. I got a bunch of them about Ryan Nielsen, the uh, coordinator. The bottom line is you got to get him good players or the coordinator's not going to matter. you got to get a lot of good players up front, and uh, there's, there's some areas where they got to get better players. But, uh, but, I, but I, I got a lot of thoughts. I talked to a lot of people today. Uh, that are around him or were around him, you know, an old Miss guy. I'm telling you, Coach O is the guy that, that, that breathes some life into this guy. And if you if you like a lot of any of the things about Coach O, there's, there's, there's some Ed Ogeron in this guy. And so we'll certainly talk about that coming up uh, in a bit as well. So we'll get to that. Um, whoo, some games last night, huh? How about, I mean, Tyler Bass's kick was right down the middle. It was wild. It was going straight. It was like straight. And it faded. Kicks don't usually fade. They draw. For people that don't know golf lingo, if you're a right-handed golfer and a right-handed or a right-handed kicker, right-footed kicker, draws go right to left, fades go left to right. Doesn't just about everybody draw the ball, almost mm -hmm. like golfers? You know, yeah. it was a power fade, 
I mean, were you, sh- were you were, we were all watching it live, I assume, right? Yeah. Weren't mm-hmm. you shocked when it just started fading? Yeah. I mean, when he hit it, it was right down the middle. And then. And it, when it faded, it, it faded. <laughs> I mean, and it, it was going right down the middle. And then, as only the Buffalo Bills can, 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 can believe, and I don't know FSU fans are saying, hold my beer, I get it. But that thing went right. And, and here, the guy I felt the worst for, other than Tyler Bass, Scott Norwood, because Scott Norwood, if Scott Norwood's still around, and I assume that he is. I think he's still alive, yeah. I'm sure Scott Norwood's thinking, great, here we go. I mean, yeah. I, I my first thought with that kid, what, did yeah, that run through your mind? 33 years I've had to deal with right. this. My first, it finally faded, exactly. and now I'm back. My first thought when he missed that is, how many stories today mm-hmm. are going to have Scott Norwood? Scott Norwood said, really? Yeah, now yeah. I'm trending, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, you know <laughs> For the, all the wrong reasons. You know all the new caveman commercials that will come out when he's yeah. sitting with the wife and all, right. and he's now back in play? Yeah. That's Scott Norwood. Yeah. Scott Norwood's the caveman. He's back now. I, mm-hmm. I promise you Scott Norwood's going great. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Honey, tell the kids, the grandkids, right. turn off the TV. Right. Uh, don't, get, don't go on Pack Twitter. everything. We're going to Costa Rica <laughs> for a week. Because here, here it's coming again. So uh, what, a, what a wild finish to that game. It was. I, I the, What stood out to me was the digs drop. I mean, Josh Allen throws what would have gone down as one of the most remarkable throws in postseason history. Well, it it's, went 760 yards in the air. And when it <laughs> left his hand, it was like, oh, my gosh, this has to be an overthrow, right? right? Right. I mean, it just had incredible velocity and arc on it. And as it's coming down, you see digs, And you're like, my God, this is going to be right on him. And – I was shocked he didn't come up with the ball. Uh, it was weird. It almost like he stopped or jumped or something. You know, it was yeah, and it his, was weird. And he kind of turned his hands, yeah, kind of an odd, yeah, awkward it was, it was way. Over the left shoulder, but he leaned almost to his right. Yeah, it was a weird deal. But uh, so he just misplayed it, misjudged it. But I, uh, I mean, if if that's connected and the Bills win, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest throws that we've ever seen. But Diggs can't come up with it, and uh, and then obviously they missed the field goal. So. Uh, yeah, it was it, great games, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs can keep it going at Baltimore. I mean, they're just so hard to they're hard bet to, against. They're hard to beat. They man. are hard. They to are beat. hard. You got to cut the head off the snake. I said that Friday on the show, man. You have to. Uh, can y'all riddle me or answer me this riddle? How the heck does Travis Kelsey, with as good as he is, get wide open yeah. in every single important game? You, you know, like you, how does the defense not account for that the, man, number eighty-seven? That's a really good point. You would think you, there's a, teams blow coverages, but they sure do seem to blow a lot against him. I don't who, get who, it. Who's the number one? Who's, who's the number one target? That's a great point. So uh, he's wide open. I didn't care who won the game. I, I, I've had it was a wonderful game to watch. With absolute no, absolutely no rooting interest. I'm not anti-Chiefs. I know a lot of people are. I, I, I didn't care who won the game. But I really wanted to see the kick go through just to see Mahomes come back with the t- in a tie game. The, I, the, only time I root, the only time I really rooted all weekend long for anything was that kick to be good. I didn't want them to score a touchdown. I wanted it to be tied, and here comes Patrick Mahomes. Wouldn't that have been – that would have been fun. And so, uh, but he missed the game. So we'll talk a lot about it. But let's start with Ryan Nielsen. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll kick off the program uh, with the, the Jaguars. Apparently, have a brand new uh, coordinator. They haven't announced it yet, but it's all over. Uh, uh, reports are everywhere that Ryan Nielsen, uh, the former Atlanta Falcons coordinator, is going to be the Jaguars' uh, defensive play caller. Uh, we'll start the program with that. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. We sure appreciate our friends at The Best Bet. $2,000 No Limit Hold'em Winter Open Main Event kicks off this Friday. That's at noon at Best Bet Jacksonville. I mean... You want to have a big time, make some dough, that great sushi, that great fun, great, clean, healthy atmosphere. You'll love it in there. I, uh, I tell my friend Jamie Shelton, who runs the joint, uh, they do a, such a good job over there, and I'm, and I'm proud they're a sponsor and have been for the longest time. Three locations. Best Bet Jacksonville's on Monument, Best Bet Orange Park on uh, uh, US 17 uh, in Orange Park, just over the Buckman Bridge if you're coming from the south side and uh, in St. Augustine uh, off of I-95. Ryan Nielsen apparently will be the new coordinator in Jacksonville. The uh, Jags have not announced that yet, but that appears to be where this thing's headed. Here's what I will tell you. Very highly thought of. The difference between Mike Caldwell had not been a coordinator. Ryan Nielsen had only been a true coordinator one year. The difference is, and this is no knock on Mike, because Mike Caldwell's a nice guy and, and was, a, was a very highly regarded linebackers coach for a long time. But Mike wasn't a rising star in such a way that different teams were clamoring to get him, if that makes sense. He wasn't that guy. And he did fine, and not as well last year. We had a lot of guys hurt. I mean, a lot of it's about defense. A lot is about players. But he wasn't a guy, if the Jags didn't hire him two years ago, I'm not sure two or three other teams would have interviewed him or hired him as be, to be the defensive coordinator. That's just not where he was. And he may get there in his career. It's not where he was. This guy's sought after now. This is a, this is a rising star in the business. He was going to leave – the Saints three years ago and become the coordinator at LSU in Ogeron's last year there, and Sean Payton fought to keep him. Sean Payton said, listen, went to ownership uh, and said that the Benson, I guess Benson family still, I think, still ownership, right? Mm-hmm. And said, look, we whatever we do, we can't lose this guy. I mean, Dennis Allen will still be whatever, but we, we can't – we'll make him co-defensive coordinator. We can't lose – whatever we do, we can't lose this guy. And, and really fought to keep him – Kept him. Then, of course, Sean Payton's gone, and the whole world changes, and Arthur Smith's raced to get him. So this is a guy, whether he turns out to be good or not here, we'll see. But this is a very highly regarded guy. I uh, talked to four or five people today, three or four people today, three and then left a message for a fourth, and all kind of said really the same thing. High energy, rising star, very, uh, very animated, very loud, um, players guy, former defensive uh, lineman in college, well, never made, never became much of a pro, but was a good player in college, um, very highly regarded. So we'll see if, the, if he's an energy guy, he's a rising star. Um, by now, if, if, you're li- if you care and you're listening by now, you probably know the resume. I would think by now people have looked it up. He's from California, from the Los Angeles area, played at USC, uh, started, did most of his coaching as a college guy. Really, the first Power Five where he really coached was at NC State. He was there for four years at NC State. Um, and really, that's kind of where he got his name. Uh, he had coached uh, under Ogeron at Ole Miss. He learned under him. But when he got to the Saints is when it really kind of started taking off for him. He was there from 17 to 21. And then 22, I told you, they made him the uh, co-coordinator in the one year uh, one year at Atlanta. Well, I'm very interested to see how it goes. I'm excited that he's an energy guy. I do think he's a guy, Hayes, to your point earlier. And listen, by the way, I was expecting a guy, and I was expecting an older guy who had been around and had done it a lot. But in retrospect, that's not Doug Peterson's style. I think this is a Doug Peterson hire. I don't think it's a Trent Baalke hire. I think Doug, I think Doug made this hire. I think Doug did the interview. I mean, I'm sure they both interviewed, but I think this is the I think Doug, I think Doug's running the ship, and I think Doug made this decision. 
and Doug tends to lean toward young, rising, aspiring coaches, which he was at one point. And so a uh, high-energy guy, um, tough-nosed guy, uh, USC guy, uh, defensive line guy. Here's what's interesting. You realize that the Falcons, both the Falcons and the Saints, that he also had a position? You know, that never happens in the NFL. But he actually co- he coached the defensive line. Isn't that that's unusual? It is. So so he I mean he in college you do it all the time. Every college coordinator also has a position, but in the pros you don't see that very often. They walk around guys. Um. So uh. So we'll see. I I'm, I'm very interested interested to see what happens. I love his enthusiasm. What I really do like, Hayes, you made the point at the top. What I really do like is it's the higher the fan base is excited about. You never know. You know you never know what what whatever team it is. Jags Twitter in this case, if. If Jag Twitter is going to love it, like it, not you – know, and, and, and by the way, social media, isn't it funny? When someone gets hired, they either like it or they don't. There's no, there, you, know, you know what I mean? There's, no, there's not much in between. They either like it or they don't. And I think the fan base is excited about this guy. There's going to be videos out there of his energy. Um, so uh, I, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I'm intrigued to see what they do with the – I wonder do they go and get more veteran – remember, the whole staff's open now. The whole, the whole staff's there. Since this is a guy that's only been a coordinator one year, and he's a rising star, but it's a most it's a recent star, do they hire more veteran guys uh, as we move along here to fill out the defensive staff? That that would be my question. Yeah, it, 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 I'd be interested in knowing that as well. I, the, the things that that I think are a little concerning is initially Atlanta blocked it, then they allowed it which tells you and they're fairly far into their interview process, which makes me wonder, did every head coach that they're interviewing basically say, I'm not going to retain him, so you might as well release him so he can go find employment because it's not going to be on this staff if I'm here? And did Arthur Blank hear that enough to where he was like, well, I don't want to – I mean, it's unfair to block him if we're – you know, the early returns are our guys are he's not going to be part of our staff. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a head scratcher for me. The other thing is, you know, the timing of it. I don't think the Jaguars were any real deadline to make this move uh, in the sense that there's still so many jobs open. Atlanta, Carolina, the Chargers, Washington, Tennessee, Seattle. Um, you know, would it have made sense to let that dust clear and see who got jobs and maybe is there a surprise who didn't? And then make a move for somebody who, again, isn't a less experienced coordinator than the one you just fired. <laughs> but uh, um, so, again, I'm excited to see what he brings. I, I, I certainly, I, you know, am, am optimistic that, that he will be an upgrade. But I am surprised if you had told me the day that they fired Mike Caldwell that it was going to be a coordinator with one year of experience on a team that lost four of its last five games, which means he'll fit in brilliantly here, um, and played quarterbacks like Bryce Young, Love, Goff, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Levis, Jaron Hall, Josh Dobbs, Kyler Murray, uh, Tim Boyle, Gardner Minshew, Justin Fields, and has never faced Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak, Herbert, Burrow, Cousins, Tua, Purdy, Stafford, or Hurts. Like, that to me, it's – I hope he's great, but I'm surprised that the unknown is as large as it is to me in this hire. 
Isn't it possible Mike Vrabel would be sitting without a head coaching job and you could have hired Mike Vrabel as your defensive coordinator? I would have waited and made sure he had a job. And that's where I think it, it is surprising that the hire was made now and we expected it to take yeah. a little while longer. I think the other thing Hayes talked about in the first segment, the takeaways. The Jaguars were all about takeaways this season and it certainly greatly helped the defense. And so for the Falcons to only have 16 total, eight interceptions and eight fumbles recovered this season that's going in the wrong direction now on the plus side they totaled their or doubled their sack number they went from 21 to 42 so sacks that's that's great for the Falcons but you need both of those in order to be a successful defense here's what I'll tell you and I think who knows how he'll do you, you hope it's great here's what I will tell you I'll answer all of your questions because this I can tell you you do it now because you're afraid someone else is going to hire him now you may be wrong they may not have hired him or they might have hired him out from under you and he didn't turn out good but that's the thinking. If you hire a guy now without waiting on Ron Rivera or Mike Vrabel or Leslie Frazier or Wink Martindale, or and, and if you hire a guy now, that means because you, you're afraid you weren't going to get him. They're, they're, to, to haze your point, there's no other reason to rush. Any, any, I don't care if you hire Joe Blow. If you hire Joe Blow now rather than hiring him in two months, it's because you're afraid you weren't getting him. I, I, I mean, that, that I will tell you. Secondly, um, I think, and we'll see if they're right or not. We'll see if they, you know, you know when you'll know what they're right. About six games into next season, not and not a day and not a minute until you know. But you'll you'll find out if they're right. You you you're not going to know until next year. We can we can all hypothesize all we want. And maybe at the end of the season because yeah. the Jaguars' defense was pretty right, good at the right. start of last season. Yeah, good season. point. So, but I will tell you, if you move quick on a guy, you're convinced he's your guy. Right, wrong, or indifferent. If you move this fast on a guy, to your point, with so many other candidates out there. Guys with longer resumes, guys who've been head coaches, guys who've been coordinators at different places. If you move this quick on a guy, you think he's your guy and you're going to get him before anybody else does. And again, the Jags haven't announced it yet, but it appears, it appears that's where they're headed. So I would think that. So we'll we'll see. Well, this is a this certainly isn't a for better or worse, this certainly isn't a settled for guy. This is a guy that they that they really wanted. And, and and which is why they did it. So we'll see. We'll see how he turns out to be. I, I'm excited to see, and I'm really interested to see how the staff is created. Is the staff, is it, you wouldn't think it's a lot of guys that Ryan Nielsen's with because he hasn't been, been at many places. I mean, the only place he's been in the NFL are the Saints and the Falcons. The Falcons was one year, really. His only NFL team other than last year in Atlanta was the Saints. So it's not a guy that's been eight places and has a bunch of guys and He's mentored this guy and mentored that guy, and that guy's been his mentor. You, you know, you wouldn't think that. Um, so, so it's a guy that's been a lot of places. So it's not a guy that's been a lot of places. Hopefully, he hires Eddie O. I love Eddie. Give me Eddie O. Right now. Well, let me just say, he hires Eddie O. Okay, we're gonna do a show. Okay, the Eddie O. Show. Even 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 if he's just like a uh, uh, what do you call him? The advisor or analyst or whatever. Yeah. What do they call him? Well, I mean, yeah, he's the new Bob Sutton. You know what? He's so coming here. Okay, yeah. you know, we're gonna we're gonna go live. Uh, we're, we you not not only we're gonna have an Eddie O. Show. Forget about weekly, daily. We're going to have the Eddie O Show daily. Okay, that's what we're going to do. It'll be a segment every day on the program. He hasn't coached since he got fired. Well, that means he's he's, he's rested. <laughs> Just to prepare. Then Eddie O's rest is what he is, Hayes Carlisle. He's been studying. You know, you know, <laughs> the only the only thing the only thing better on air than Eddie O is rested Eddie O. Yeah, he's got some so he can he can re rack some of those stories is what can happen. So, uh, but anyway, so Ryan Nielsen, the brand new coordinator, and again, hopefully Dave Archer will be able to join us. He is the color commentator for the for the Atlanta Falcons radio network. He's done it for a long time. Uh, if we can catch up with him, if not down the road, my friend Wes Durham will definitely join us and talk about the Atlanta Falcons defense. Like I said, I'm very intrigued. Uh, I find myself probably more intrigued now because I did, I did not 
I would have expected if it was a younger guy who had been a coordinator, Shane Bowen probably, the, the, the Titans guy, I don't know any more about one than the other, but I would have expected him because he knows the division, and, and I kind of watched him a little bit. Again, I don't watch the NFC nearly as much, so it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, how this thing plays out. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the ball games. What a weekend it was in the NFL. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Third down. Blitz is coming. Purdy has it blocked. Foot one downfield for Kittle. He's got it. Touchdown, San Francisco. It's low. Couple fakes. Going wide open in the end zone. Does he get the feet down? He is. Touchdown. Love. Throws across his body. And that is picked. 49ers have it. Greenlaw. San Francisco takes over. Here's Sims. Right up the middle. Still going. Steven Sims. Good night. He is gone. Touchdown, Texans. Jackson keeps Stanley in front of him. Touchdown, Lamar. And John Harbaugh, with family in attendance, gets to celebrate a return trip to the championship game. Second down, launch, wide open! Kelsey has the touchdown! Who else to run it? But Josh Allen, who's in for the touchdown! Pacheco is across for the Kansas City touchdown! 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it! Wide right. Wow! The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Pacheco, he's got the first down! And the Chiefs are going to be going to the AFC Championship game for a sixth consecutive year. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. That was a fun listen. Good job, RJ, as we heard highlights from all four divisional games. Let's start with the Texans and the Ravens. I cannot believe now, looking back, I picked the Texans to upset the Ravens. I thought C.J. Stroud would have a great game. Well, unfortunately, Frank, if you were rooting for the Texans, which I wasn't really, didn't really care, but I did think they'd play better. They did not score an offensive touchdown in the entire game. I, I mean, I picked the Ravens one, but I was wrong about that one, too. I, I, thought, that, I thought that game was going to be a really close game, would come down to it. I was very surprised that the Ravens handled them as – Easily as they did, Hayes. I think you liked the Ravens bigger than we did, but I, uh, but I, I was surprised. I was surprised it wasn't a closer game. Yeah, he said if there's going to be a route, it's yeah, going to be the Ravens yeah. over the Texans, and, and it was. I, uh, uh, the the Texans get to be the Texans and the Packers get to be last year's Jaguars, the teams that look out look out next year, and we'll see we'll see if it plays out that way. The Texans get that first place schedule, and uh, but uh, but the Ravens look good, man. The Ravens have a good physical football team. I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, keep saying it. Man, it's hard to defend Lamar Jackson. It is just because he's not the only quarterback ever that has run, but the burst he has, it's, it's either the holes are bigger when he runs or he gets to them faster because does any – when's the last – maybe Michael Vick. When's the last time we had a quarterback? And even Josh Allen isn't this, and he's a really good runner. 
who has so many of those twelve to fourteen yard runs. I don't mean you know. I mean, oh, I think Vic is the only comparable the, player. He's the only that has those. I yeah. mean, a lot of quarterbacks scramble; they turn nothing into a five yard gain, or they stay alive in the pocket long enough for someone to get open. But how many of those fourteen to seventeen yarders does Lamar Jackson have every freaking game? It, it's amazing how. It, honest to God, and look, Josh Allen's a really good running quarterback too. He's the other one. But Lamar Jackson, it's it's going to be hard to beat a team with Lamar Jackson. It really is. Yeah, and the Ravens defensively are so impressive. So I, I was impressed with Lamar in terms of handling the pressure. Obviously, the Texans returned the punt, so it's tied 10-10 going into the half. And you they could, missed a field goal, or, they'd have been, or the Texans would have been up. Yeah. A very good kicker, Fairbairn, missed yeah. the field goal. You could tell that the the crowd in Baltimore was uneasy. You know, there's a lot of pressure on the Ravens. There's a lot of pressure on Lamar. And to go in at, at 10 all and then outscore Houston 24 to nothing in the second half, uh, it, it speaks to, you know, his drive and poise. And, yeah, I mean, he, it, it, from a, a running standpoint, he's phenomenal. Had 100 yards, and, you know, that's not uncommon and uh, is, is certainly doing enough to be efficient in, in the passing game. So, I, you know, the Ravens run it for 229 yards as a team. And uh, just, you know, that's just something that it, 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 when they do that, they're almost impossible to beat because of how good their defense is. I was surprised that C.J. Stroud was so ineffective against them. He had some really nice plays in the first half, and then it just kind of all disappeared, and, and they got after him. So, it you know, this coming, the AFC championship game on Sunday will be, you know, the ultimate strength versus strength, that Baltimore defense going up against Mahomes and then, Obviously, a revamped Chiefs defense that's been a lead all year going up against Lamar Jackson. So, fascinating battles no matter who has the ball. Uh, but, yeah, it's a real credit to Lamar Jackson. And you wonder, the Chiefs certainly have that mystique. I don't know that the Ravens buy into it, you know, because they're a team that likes to think that they've got their own kind of mystique. But the Chiefs are, I think, if, if anybody has a mystique that could bother Baltimore, it would be Mahomes in Kansas City. And I, I forget a recent results. This is the playoffs. Uh, and so I'm curious to see, does Baltimore now having survived, not the close call, but the game that was tied at half, do they now play a little easier? And do we see a even higher level of execution against Kansas City? Uh, or do they succumb to it being one step away from the Super Bowl? So, I, I'm, I mean, Baltimore-Kansas City is going to be just such a – unbelievable game on so many different levels. Uh, but I but I am impressed with the Ravens and how well they played against Houston because I, I think Houston is here. I'll be surprised if they have a season like, assuming they don't get killed with injuries, you know, I'll be surprised if, if they turn out to be a pretender like the Jaguars. I, I think that Houston will be a very tough out, first place schedule or not, next year because of how good C.J. Stroud is uh, and because they have so much cap room uh, that they are going to be able to add to this what I think is already a pretty impressive young roster. And they can look at what the Jags didn't do and say, all right, we're not going to be stagnant. Frank, what I thought was really fascinating, Peter King reported that Lamar Jackson at halftime told Todd Munkin, we cannot have these long developing routes because the Texans were blitzing more often than they normally do. So Lamar and Todd worked on a different game plan for the second half, and obviously they didn't allow the Texans to score a single point. They went on the 24 nothing run. That, to me, is the mark of a quarterback who – Yes, there's a lot of pressure on him. I understand that, but someone who's really turned the corner as far as understanding how the game works. Well, he's really a smart quarterback. With these quarterbacks, all these guys, I don't care if it's Brady, Elway, 
Lamar now, Mahomes now, when they're so gifted physically, we forget how smart they are. You know, the quarterbacks win a lot of smart cats, man, and they know how to play. And so, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. By the way, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl. The Harbaugh's. Oh, was that? Well, the Harbaugh's, <laughs> yeah. The, A, the Harbaugh's <laughs> will have both titles. Yeah. Todd Munkin, his last three mm-hmm. years <laughs> would yeah. be national title, national title, Super Bowl title. That's amazing. I mean, th- I mean think about that. If the, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl, Todd Munkin, who used to – play catch in, in Jack's Golf and Country Club with his little kid in the front yard, is going to have national championship, national championship, Super Bowl championship in his last three years. And, and what's, what's he going to do next year? Win yeah. the World Series? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they, I mean, it's amazing. The Braves have just hired yeah. Todd Munkin. Right. Uh, uh, Billy Napier yeah. could hire right. him yeah, as yeah, exactly. coordinator. Right. Um, uh, or uh, maybe uh, – well, I won't uh, – I won't – they get Billy that uh, that early on Too a early Monday the show. show. Yeah. Too early in the week. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait until at least give, 4.30. Give me, give me the Thursday. <laughs> yeah, give, 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 give and I'll a, be making that joke. No, <laughs> Billy forget, actually had – Forget Thursday. Yeah. Give him until 4.30. Yeah. Okay. Billy, uh, Billy had a great weekend. Yeah, so, uh, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get to that uh, down the line. But, uh, yeah, the thing, too, that, that would be so amazing about that, I hadn't thought about that, but it's one thing – it'd be amazing to do it wherever you are. But Georgia hadn't won the title – in 40-something years. Right. Okay. Wasn't like he walked into, like, Nick Saban's dynasty. Correct. Correct. I mean, so he went to a school that was aching to win the national title. They did it. They repeat. And then if he does it in Baltimore, now it's not hasn't been eons since Baltimore won the Super Bowl, but it's been a little bit of time. Not like, oh, my gosh, we haven't won the Super Bowl. And, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not like they just won it two or three years ago. Right. Uh, and, did, and they've never won it with Lamar. He didn't join the Brady Patriots and win it. You're right. Point. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty the amazing. The Ravens have so. never hosted an AFC Championship game at this stadium. Yeah. Like that's which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, other games. Let's get to the NFC. I thought. Uh, I really do think that that the Packers are going to be really good. Jordan Love. I would whatever it takes. Whatever you got to pay him and give them. And I still can't say the say the G- GM's name because I'll get it wrong. Gunkinitz? Is it, is it Gunk- uh, No, it's uh, Gunkinitz? I don't think that that's it? right. You're the person. What are you doing over there? Yeah. You're supposed to be the pronunciation. <laughs> I thought it was I was enjoying you this. Have two, you have two very important <laughs> yeah. jobs, te- meteorology and pronunciation. How do you pronounce it? I was enjoying this. Yeah. Uh, I'll look it up. I, you, I I've you were, always thought you were, to myself. You were stalling is what you were doing. I just wasn't helping. Well, uh, wh- whatever his name is, Brian, was, Brian G. Right. What a, what a brilliant move to draft Jordan Love when nobody saw them doing that. And, and, again, and to the chagrin of his quarterback at the time, who was pissed, uh, Aaron Rodgers was pissed he didn't go get him a receiver. Instead, he got a backup quarterback. What a brilliant move that was by, by, by Green Bay Brass. It really was. Gunnikunst, by the way. Gunnikunst. It, it looks like it's uh, really going to work out marvelously for Green Bay. It's, it's ridiculous to get quarterback right three straight times. And and obviously, I he, mean, to get it that maybe yeah. that right three straight yeah. times, and 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 again, he's he's got a long way to go for Favre and Rodgers, but uh, but yeah, you have to be really encouraged by how he played the second half of the season, and I obviously he he had a dismal fourth quarter, uh, but I thought Lafleur hit the right note of saying you know that doesn't take away from the steps he took this season because I do think he took some monumental steps, uh, and and yeah, it looks like Green Bay is on really solid footing. Uh, and and this is this is going to lead to another argument for and we'll get into this as the in more when as the draft approaches. But this to me, if I'm Chicago, 
seeing Jordan Jordan Love's emergence, I'm absolutely trading Justin Fields and drafting Caleb Williams because you now have a Lions team that is arrived. Now Goff is good, but, but the team's you know, arrived. But they've arrived, and if Green Bay has found another franchise quarterback. I'm not taking any chances that Justin Fields eventually gets there. I am drafting Caleb Williams at one. I, I, mean, I can't. I agree with every syllable of that. How do you, I mean, every syllable. I, and I, I, I do. On the flip side, I didn't think Brock Purdy played super well until he really had to. But when you have Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle, I feel like as a quarterback, you can almost kind of relax. And then you add to that, you've got guys like Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings who either go down to get the ball or go up to get the ball, and it makes it so much easier on the quarterback. Well, I'll say this. Bucky Brooks sent a tweet out. I don't know if you guys follow Bucky on Twitter or not, but I follow Bucky, and Bucky and I are pretty good buddies. We talk about stuff. Bucky's a longtime scout. I'd say he's one of the best football guys I've ever been around. He was a longtime scout. He tweeted, he goes, scouts get beat up for measuring hands and, and, and metrics like that. But Brock Purdy, one of the reasons he barely got drafted is because he's got the tiny, he's got the Danny Werfel small hands, okay? Well, the reality is he could barely throw that wet ball. That, it, it, you're naive if you don't suggest that was a big part of that game. He could have thrown four picks. Yeah, he, I mean, he really could He got could've. remarkably yeah. lucky. Yes, he that did. his errant passes hit the uh, ground. Yes, because he, he could, and it's not, he's trying. He's, it's not a work ethic thing or a character thing or a talent thing. He's got little hands. It's a physical it, thing. And the football's a big football, – the NFL football's big. Yeah. And he, and he couldn't – He's and, wiping his hand he, he in the had middle the of his drop. Right, he had the glove. Then he, yeah. Right, remember that? And then he had the glove. Then he didn't have the glove. He, he's like Kenny Pickett and like, like so many others, he's got the little hands. And so for that reason, he really had a trouble with the wet foot. Now, he's going to be great in domes. He's going to be great in sunny weather, but but you and it was a monsoon. It, the it, whole it game, really but, was. It really was. But yeah, I, I've I would be concerned about that if yeah. I was the 49ers, although they're two wins away from the Lombardi yeah, yeah. Trophy. Oh, and he's but, a re- by the way, he's a really good player. Yeah, and you're not going to play in a monsoon very often, you know. But and he's cl- and he's proven. We saw it here when that ball's dry, he can zing that thing. So, but it looks but, like sunny weather in San Francisco yeah. on Sunday. Uh, by the way, um, and I think much to the chagrin of my guy Kyle Trask, who I'm now convinced will never play. He's never. He's going to spend his whole career and never play. He will be a 62-year-old backup <laughs> for somebody, getting no reps. Uh, but I think Baker Mayfield certainly earned another year, if not a, an, a, a multi-year contract. Yeah, the, the thing there with Tampa is the competition that they're going to have to re-sign him. Uh, he's a free agent. Now, obviously, they could tag him. That would be quite expensive for a guy that you were paying $4 million with some incentives this year. But I, you, know, you may not – you know, do you have a choice? You know, I mean, I, it seems like Mayfield wants to stay, and he may be at the you know part of his career where he's looking for the comfort zone from a football standpoint. Obviously, he's made good money in the league and uh, has bounced around. So, if he feels like he's found a home and uh, some stability, that may uh, win out over the financial. But look, if you're, you know, if you're Atlanta, if you're a team that feels like you're a quarterback away. I, Baker Mayfield, I think, proved that you know he still has a place at the table in terms of the 32 starting quarterbacks in this league. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, I want to get back to uh, Ryan Nielsen. Let's reset the show the way we started the show. The Jags have a brand-new defensive coordinator, it would appear. What are our thoughts? Where is the Jaguar defense headed? Uh, that's next. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you as we continue on hour number two on a Best Bet Monday. We thank our friends for the Best Bet. Man, they do a terrific, terrific job. And listen, go out there and watch. They've got great, they've got great TVs. They've got great food. The sushi's fantastic. You can watch the conference championship game at Best Bet St. Augustine and get on some really uh, lucky seat giveaway action. So, I mean, all kind of fun stuff's going on at the Best Bet. Head out there. Three fantastic locations. Good people, clean, healthy, fun. You're going to love it out there. Best Bet, Jacksonville's on Monument. Best Bet, Orange Park is on US-17, just over the button. If you're coming from the south side, and Best Bet Orange Park right there on I-95. Um, Ryan Nielsen looks like he's going to be the brand-new coordinator for the Jaguars. Let me reset what I said at the top of the program. This guy is viewed as a rising star. I think to Hayes' question earlier, why now? Why not wait it out to see if if Vrabel and Rivera? Because Belichick. This, Belichick. Because <laughs> this – he probably wasn't going to be the coordinator. Yeah. This is the guy they wanted. When you hire a guy – when you when you when you act quickly and swiftly, it's because you're afraid he's not going to be there. The common sense tells you that. If you move quickly on a guy, that means he's your guy, and you're afraid he's not going to be there. Otherwise, you could wait it out and interview more people. I think that's why they did it. The book on him very energetic. The background on Ryan Nielsen um, kind of came through the college ranks. Played at USC, coached under Eddie O, coached at Ole Miss under Eddie O. Uh, really, his longest college stint was at, at NC State, 2013 through 2016. Then he really came into his own as a def- all as a defensive line coach, by the way, the position he played at USC. A D-line coach at the, with the Saints from 17 through 21. He was going to leave and go to Ole Miss or to go back to LSU under Eddie O. Sean Payton said, we can't lose this guy. Gave him a title, gave him a three-year deal, gave him a bunch of money to stay. So he was the co-defensive coordinator with Dennis Allen in 22. And then when that all blew up, he wound up uh, on Arthur Smith's staff. Arthur Smith worked very hard to get him, and he was a one-year coordinator with the Falcons. And then that staff blew up when Arthur Smith got fired. So he was available, and the Jaguars moved quickly to get him. High energy, a lot of man, a lot of pressure. Uh, he, he, From what I'm told, his personality, he'll come off as a blitzing guy. Sometimes your person, I mean, even though you don't know that, he's just a high – remember Joe, when yeah. Joe Cullen was here? He was a high-energy, mm-hmm. high-energy, high-energy, high-energy guy. Apparently, this guy is that guy, very high-energy. Um, and, again, that is a, that is Mike Caldwell is a wonderful guy. But Mike Caldwell, Mike Caldwell is a, is a soft-spoken you – you, Hayes, you went to all the interviews. You heard Mike Caldwell every week, you know, soft-spoken, just, a, just an unassuming guy. That, that was his personality. And, by the way, that doesn't make you not a good football coach. Personalities are different. I will tell his next employer he is not going to give anything away to the media. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you do not have to worry about that with right, Mike Caldwell. Right, right. He's an un, he's a soft spoken guy. I don't think that will be your take on Ryan Nielsen. Ryan Nielsen's energetic, talker, enthusiastic, running down the field, yelling, and and I think blitzing, yelling. Now the book on him is lots of man, lots of blitzing. Don't necessarily assume just because that's what he did there in his one year as a full time coordinator that all of a sudden the Jags are going to play man coverage 80% of the time and blitz on every play. Don't, I w- don't, don't go there yet. Good, good coordinators, they want their system and their tendencies, but they fit their personnel. And so I would say that. So, yeah, so I, 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 I'm excited. I'm excited. The, uh, the Falcons last year about, were, were 11th in the NFL in total in total defense. Total defense. Yep. They were 8th in passing defense. Not so much rushing defense. They were 20th. 
uh, scoring defense, they were 18th. So middle of the pack in scoring defense, rushing uh, 20th, passing defense, they were 8th, and in total defense, they were 11th. Again, a guy that was a guy the Jaguars nabbed because they thought somebody else might get him, and it's a guy, whether they're right or not, we'll see, but this is a guy they really wanted. It's interesting you bring up personnel. I think that's the biggest question is, what is Ryan Nielsen's personnel going to look like if you expect him, yes, to play man certainly a lot more than the Jaguars did? Is he going to have the pieces to be able to do that? There's a lot of questions there, whether it starts with the defensive line, goes to the secondary. And, of course, Hayes, I think the most ironic part is Jaguars fans clamored for the longest time for this to be a 3-4 defense because they'd seen a 4-3 defense not execute properly. Ryan Nielsen comes a little bit more from the 4-3. Now fans are like, okay, let's bring it back. 4-3, let's go. I, I think that part is so insignificant because most defenses these days are hybrid, but certainly the fact that they want a really good defensive line coach, that's a good thing. I, I, I'm going to be intrigued to see where this goes with, with Ryan Nielsen and, and Doug Peterson. And, and is, it, is Ryan Nielsen basically handed the keys and said it's your defense? Doug Peterson needs to answer some questions. I mean, the the offense was a failure. I mean, it was it was a failure season. They wanted to gain a touchdown in points per game, and they lost a point and a half. I I mean, that's that's awful. I mean, you know, it's it's so part of this is what is the fix there? Is the fix there an offensive minded head coach? Is going to be more centered around the offense, uh, as he probably should be, and allow Ryan Nielsen to do whatever he wants. That sounds good, and and hopefully Nielsen is is ready for that. Um, because again, you just hired a coordinator that has been a coordinator for fewer games than the guy you just fired, which to me isn't all that logical. I uh, you know, but I. Uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, what what does he do with Josh Allen, assuming he's here, and I think he will be, and, and Trayvon Walker, and all that stuff is going to be, you know, really interesting to see. Uh, but I'm now – my concern is now, well, I was really hoping Doug would just hire somebody that he could absolutely turn the keys over to, a veteran, and this is not a veteran. This is a very young coordinator and a more inexperienced coordinator – than the guy you just fired. Yeah, I would I would be very surprised if it's not I hand it over to him. Whether he's done it twenty years or one year, I'd be I may be wrong. I'd be surprised about that. I, I will tell you, and I, again, who, I don't know who how I don't know how good assistant coaches are. Until you, you know, what I mean, I, I don't I don't know other than guys that you know you've seen them work. Hopefully, you'll be a very good assistant coach. I I, I we had a lot of talk with this with with a lot of friends over the weekend talking Jaguars. And again, I tend to be glasses half full guy, and I tend to be Homer guy. I've always admitted to that. But look, my feeling is this is a team with back-to-back winning records. This is a team that won seven out of eight games at one point. They laid an egg the last week, month and a half of the season. There's no denying that. They were, they were one in five. They laid an egg at the end of the season. But it's a team at the end of the year lost eight games. Of the eight teams that beat them, five won their division. Six were in the playoffs. Six of the eight teams that beat them were in the playoffs. Seven of the eight teams that beat them had winning records. The one awful laying egg was the last one. The one, the the only bad team that beat them, the only team with a losing record that beat them, was the Tennessee Titans, and it happened at the worst possible time. But they lost to seven good teams, seven winning teams, six playoff teams, five division winning teams, and there's some. I think there's some good pieces, man. Uh, now, 
if they got Ryan Nielsen wrong, none of that matters. But if they got it right, and, and I hear a lot of good things, I really do, I'm excited about where they make it. I, I, I've got some enthusiasm for the Jags. I really do. I've got, I, I, you know, I want to get Christian Kirk healthy. I, and, again, we, we'll talk about player procurement in the offseason when there really is an offseason. I really do hope, I'll say this, the one thing I don't think they're going to do that I wish they would reconsider, and I may be wrong, is keep Cam Robinson. I think uh, my gut tells me they're going to move on from him, move Anton Harrison to left tackle and play Walker to little right tackle and save a bunch of money. And, again, I don't I, – hey, you, I always say this. You understand the cap world better than I do, how much money you, you should free up because of what else you're trying to do, and I get that. And maybe the smart move is to move on from Cam so Anton Harrison and Walker Little will be pretty good tackles and you got money to get a better guard and center. You know what I mean? Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a defensive tackle. But I sure would like to see him keep Cam Robinson. I, I, I would like, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him keep Calvin Ridley. And obviously, we all want to see him keep Josh Allen, regardless of what that takes. So we'll, we'll see. I, I've, I've got, I'm more encouraged with the pieces that are there than I, than, than I think other people are. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, I think people, it's all recency bias. What you're left with, the taste in your mouth that you're left with That's is right. very sour right Which now. Which is fair. I get that. Yeah. And so all they've done so far is take Mike Caldwell out, put in Ryan Nielsen. And there's still so many more questions. So I think I'll reserve my decision to be optimistic or pessimistic until I know more about what you just said, Josh Allen and Kim Robinson and Calvin Ridley and other free agents and the draft and things like that. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I'm excited about where they are. So we'll talk more about that coming up uh, in just a bit. Jags um, hire Ryan Nielsen again. We, uh, we do hope Dave Archer can join us. He's a color commentator on the Atlanta Falcons radio network. If not, our friend Wes Durham will join us uh, down the road a little bit. He's a play-by-play voice. He'll certainly talk about him as well coming up in just a bit. All right, that's, uh, we talked a lot of NFL. It's been all NFL now for an hour and a half. I got a college football thought that I'm going to ask you, Hayes Carlin, from the Bowl School. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run something by. Can I run something by you? Love it. Do you mind? Do you mind if no, I run I'm, something by you? Are you, you're, are you you're gonna that's be sort of what I'm here for. Are yeah. you gonna be here to six? You gonna stay the whole show? Uh, I'll be here till like five fifty four. I'll take that. Okay, okay. Then we'll run it by. This is ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. We do thank our friends from The Best Bet. $2,000 No Limit Hold'em. Winter Open main event. It kicks off Friday at noon. It's Best Bet Jacksonville. Frangie and Carline. Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders. All right, let me throw this out at you. Let's get to college football just for a second. So did you see this highlight video that was making its rounds on DJ Lagway over the weekend? No. You didn't see it? I didn't see it. Have you seen it? No. Have you seen a highlight video of him? Yes. And listen. He was I, national I, player of the year. Yeah. yeah listen. Gatorade. Yeah. And, and I've seen highlights here and there, but I haven't watched a three-and-a-half-minute video yet of him. And I am – and by the way, I am – you probably know by now, I'm Graham Mertz's personal agent. <laughs> I'm the biggest Graham Mertz fan of all time. But I'm just telling you, you got to go back and watch the one that's floating out there. Okay. You, you got, I'm, I'm just telling Do you. Do you remember where you saw it? <sighs> no. I'll just, Twitter. I'm sure I'll be able to find it. But it, anyway, it was, you saw it multiple times this weekend? Well, I made myself watch it multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 I, mean, I, I mean, I found it once. 
Yeah. I, okay. So last week you sent a picture of Austin Armstrong to Hayes and I. Yeah, I did. But you didn't send us the video <laughs> of DJ sure Lagway. Last I said last guy I picked for kickball class. The yeah. uh, um just curious. I just I'm, I'm just I, that was this weekend. I guess I was too busy. But I uh <laughs> but I'm just telling you, go first of all go watch it. Yeah. Just, oh, just he's he's sensational. Well, but I didn't level. but I didn't realize he was some guys are sensational but aren't on tape sensational. You know? First of all, He's the fastest guy on the field, and he's big, and he's two forty. Yeah, but he's the fat. He did you know he's the fat? He was like, I, he's running away from. Anyway, you got to go watch. Yeah, throwing. Motion. I mean, I've seen. Yeah, but I don't know that I've saw yeah. exactly what you're an, talking I haven't about. Seen enough. Or, okay, so okay. so so to, so that maybe here's where I'm going with that. He is certainly everything yeah. you'd want in a yeah. college quarterback right. prospect. So let me ask you this: I'm still not rattled by, but I don't because I don't care. But I'm still my mind's fogged up still. At all these Alabama guys leaving. I mean, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. That the whole team left when Nick Saban retired, and the portal allows that. And the, the I mean, did you see where some states are now challenging the one-time transfer rule? So, so, so the one-time transfer rule might get overruled in some states. Oh yeah, the you're talking about in, yeah. in favor of the players. Yes. Oh, it legally, it I think it's going to get overruled. It's going to yeah. get to where you can transfer whenever you want as many times as you want. That's no, where we're headed. Absolutely, no okay. doubt about and, it. And so, so I mean, it, so all right. So anyway, so, so, oh, I mean, aren't you guys just puzzled or, or astounded by how many Alabama guys have left? I mean, does that blow? Does it blow your mind like it does mine? I guess that's what I'm asking. I, I, I'm going somewhere with this. Certainly, the number. How could it not? Because it's okay. basically the entire team. To your point, it's basically, I mean, and their signing class. Yeah. yeah so his, I, I mean, you yeah. know, Julian Sayan goes to Ohio State, the talented quarterback. Right, right. The Gators get Jameer Grimsley. Yeah, and though. I got a question about Grimsley. By the way, did he did he use up his one time transfer? Could he? Well, they didn't release him. No, so his so is a transfer. It's a portal. Yeah. Now so the the good news for Florida in that is that if if this rule stays in place, where you only get the one free one. And he's he sort leave. of bound that's, to yeah, Florida. I thought, I thought the same thing. Whereas so, the Texas defensive tackle right. was released from his letter. So he's of a signee now. So he's a signee yeah. to Florida. So, right, so, 30 players, by the way, yeah, for Alabama so. that have entered 30, the transfer and, portal. But it, but it's 11 not, declared for the NFL draft. Right. 30 to the portal. So that's 41 players yeah. since DeBoer was named. But the 30 is not a bunch of third teamers that weren't getting on the field, so they're headed to Middle Tennessee State. That's not who they are. They're good players who are going to go start for Power Fives. So, so it got me thinking. What I can tell you is DJ Lagway from everybody I've talked to, and the reason he went to Florida wasn't NIL. He could have gotten NIL money anywhere. He's really close to Napier. If your people told you that, that he's really close to. Oh Napier. yeah, I mean, I mean he is again, really. He they, they he have lived become, in Gainesville basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was at almost every single home game. So, so they so they have become like super tight. They're, I mean, they're, he's really close to his coach. It's 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 Spurrier Werfel. It's Spurrier Shane, at least at least the early on. So and players leave all the time. What if DJ Lagway goes Jimmy Chitwood? Well, what if what, yeah? What if, what, <laughs> That's what, awesome. What, what if DJ Lagway? What did Jimmy Chitwood say? Would you tell me to say? Yeah. Uh, he I, not before he said I'll make it. What did he say? Middle of the movie. Yeah. Don't said, mess this up. You mess this up, you're off the show. Don't I, mess this up. Okay. Uh, Lauren, it's been great knowing you. Okay. Um, <laughs> he uh, he says uh, something to the effect of, "Coach leaves." That's right. He said. He said, um, "I leave." I Coach pl- plays. I play. Right. He says. I. He said that's, that was a terrible rendition. Hey, it's all. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Okay. Just For some reason, I can't get the old lady yeah. out of my head who says, I think we should vote again. I'm like, that's I'm her trying mom. to get, I, but yeah. I, yeah. That's Barbara Hersey's mom. I know. My favorite person. She cut his hair. My I'm trying to remember the scene, yeah. and all I've got uh, is, uh, okay. is that. Well, I caught you off guard, too, but I'm saying, but, but essentially the scene is I play Coach Stays. Right. He goes, I go. Right. Okay, that that's the line, and yeah. and and this badly Lauren is badly as Hayes butchered it. Yes. That's, I just gave you the line. Okay. I thought he did a fine job. Okay, so uh, he did a terrible job. Yeah. So, but Gene Hackman's rolling over in his grave, <laughs> and he's still with us. <laughs> but but I mean, but joking aside, you're concerned if Napier gets fired. I know. I'm 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 wondering before Napier gets fired, if if we and I'm I'm using this as one example. I could make this example about any other school, sure. but Florida's one we talk about the most. I. I'm 100% convinced he's gone if Napier's gone. Oh, there's no doubt about it. 100% convinced. Oh, yeah. okay. So, I mean, they're really close. So, what if he does a Jimmy Chitwood after he throws for 387 against Kentucky and runs for 112 and accounts for four touchdowns? You can tell I really got caught up in this tape, can't you? I was really locked in on this videotape. But, I mean, is that is that a possibility in circumstances? So, in other like, words. A serious question. So, in other words, Florida goes 6-6. Six and six. Yep. I, he 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 wins the job four or five games in. Right, they win. They they do better at the end of the season. Okay, well, which would be some big Cause wins. Because you're right, but um, but they, yeah. They but go, your point is Napier's record would indicate he should be fired. Yeah, but if Lagway looks so promising, does Florida bring Napier back in 25 yeah. for the second year of Lagway? And Lagway says, I mean, what if Lagway? Oh yeah, says, and Lagway to, publicly but, or or even yeah, to Scott, yeah, whoever yeah, yeah. the UF president, right. whoever is going to make the call, yeah. says. Look, I want to be here, but if you fire right. Billy Napier, I'm, I'm going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it would. I think I he'd play, have to. Coach be- stays. He <laughs> goes. I go. In case uh, you another line. Yeah. In case you weren't listening twenty <laughs> seconds ago, please continue. Yeah, I I think it would. Uh, I think he'd have to factor it in, but I I think it's going to be if Napier goes six and six. I, I think I think Lagway would have to look like. I mean. Again, this word gets thrown around way too much, but he'd have to look like generationally good for Florida. Like, oh, wow, we haven't had a player like this for, I mean, 15 years since Tebow was there, and we can't afford to let him go. And again, part of that could be what else do you have? I mean, because if Lagway goes, do you also lose 20 kids? You know, if if Lagway stays, is he – he kind of was – the ringleader of this class, That's which correct. still ended up being a pretty good class, particularly if you they don't get credit if for you Grimsley, counted Grimsley, they'd be top ten. It'd be a top ten class. Yeah, and so uh, you know, in looking at it, yeah, I think I think you'd you'd have to factor it in if he gives you that kind of uh, production as a freshman. But um, you know, I I think it's uh, I think it's unlikely that we're going to see that uh, for one. Uh, and, yeah, and, I mean, and and players I, don't say that. Well, I'm just saying. well and, and hopefully it's one of those things that like Florida can just win eight games, and then it's not really an issue. You win eight games, everybody believes Napier should be the coach in 25. But Vegas is gonna Vegas is gonna have him at five and a half again. I, I would imagine. I, yeah, it may even be lower uh, or, or lower. I mean, Vegas right? Vegas is gonna have him in the five somewhere. So same answer to the question I just asked. Hayes. Well, I think the problem is fans feel more entitled than ever because of NIL. So you're going to have fans going, DJ, we'll pay you lots of money to stay, and I don't. Your coach has to go, but you'll stay because we're going to fund you more than any other programs. Going and he to. says, "Sorry, so will Alabama, so will LSU, so will Ohio State." I play, coach stays. Yeah, uh, fans. <laughs> he, 
He goes, <laughs> I go. Fans will say goodbye to Lagway and Napier at that point in time. That's how angry they you think? are. You think? Yep. Hey, I think Hogan. we should vote again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I just ran through my mind watching the tape of this guy. Fans are so livid about him being the head coach. One player I don't think will change their minds. Okay. But you. if he's that good, I think they win more than six games. Yeah. That's the other and, part and of see, it. And, see, and, I, and I wonder, it's, it's interesting how fans – I'll, I'll, I'll take it back to the Jaguars for a second. Someone is saying, well, this is a really important year for Doug Peterson. And, and this is just a crossroads. I think even Frenette wrote across. Let me just tell you this. You think we all talked how we, – we in, in every market other than Nashville, in every other city, in the, we all talked about how dumb it was for them to fire Vrabel after six years, whatever it was. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired Doug Peterson. I don't care if he wins five games. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired Doug Peterson. You talk about – they already mock us anyway. Can you, do you know the kind of – the beating that – it, that organizational take in every other – a guy that's been to the playoffs four of his seven years and almost five, a guy that won a Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, coaching in Jacksonville, Florida, who had two winning seasons and one under. Do you know the scrutiny, the beating this organization would take if it fired Doug Peterson? It would dwarf anything people are saying about the Titans. Agree or disagree? I disagree. I, I think really? if he, Yeah, if he goes five and 12 – in, uh, I mean, he was unemployed for a full two, year. Two and winning then, seasons and one bad season? You don't think the people in Minnesota, Green Bay, Houston, Nashville, Baltimore are going to say, are you kidding me? I don't think they're going to say, we, are you we, kidding we, me? He'd we, be we, 23 we, and wow. – what would that be? 23 uh, and 40? I'm tell, Not 40, but 23 and 30? Yeah, I'm telling like – I'm telling – what do you think? I, 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 we, I mean, we all – I haven't heard one person that said – the Titans were right to fire Brave. Brave. Uh, they have taken oh, I a agree. beating. They have taken a beating. I mean, and uh, and they should. Well, the other thing too is if if you only win five games again, you have to assume that means that Trevor Lawrence had another bad year, and at that point, everybody's going to be like, "Well, yeah, they need to find a head coach that can bring the most out in Trevor Lawrence." Uh, mark my words, I'm telling you, if Doug Peterson, if the team moved on from Doug, which I, I don't think there's any way there, it's a moot point. I don't think there's any chance it could happen. But I'm just saying because people are out there saying it. If the team moved on from Doug Peterson, the beat, th this franchise, which is one of the most failed franchises in the last three decades of, in the league, it's one of the most, it is one is one of the four or five failed franchises. I'm telling you, the beat the beating they would take, and I think rightfully so. By the way, I mean the Eagles fired him after he won a Super Bowl there, so it, there's and, precedent and took a beating. And they, now, now they wound up they wound up. Yeah, they've been back Winning, on their feet. Yeah, but, but took a beating for. But her. what I would say is, if Trent Bulky survives, Doug Peterson's let go, then we have more yeah, nightmarish yeah, things right. to worry. And about. And again, I, there's no chance Doug Peterson's getting let go, no matter what happens next year. So it's a moot point. But I just hear all these people talking about it, and it goes back to my point about the Napier thing. Napier, it'd be just it'd be different. Napier, the media people already think he should be fired. I mean, I I think there's more belief out there that Napier should be fired. Then, then even though it's, he's also only been there two years, you know, but I, I think that's the, the, would you agree with that? I would. The media, the. I, yeah, yeah. And, and again. And, and again, people, people love. Billy Napier didn't win a national title at Louisiana. Correct. You know, I mean, correct. Doug Peterson does yeah. have the Lombardi trophy yeah. on his resume. Yeah. yeah. But I do think in the NFL, if you've been there three years and all you really have to show for it is, you know, a, a division title and a playoff win and a 10 and nine season in year one, followed by a collapse in year two followed by a five-win season in year three, I think you're probably fired. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see. I, 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 
I'd be. So you think you think he could get fired next year? Well, on your hypothetical, oh, of oh, if right. he goes five and twelve, yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I I don't think he'd get fired at nine and eight again, particularly if Trevor Lawrence has a you know thirty four touchdown pass season yeah. and it's more you know they they win for reasons that aren't necessarily around Trevor. What do you think, Lauren? I think there's no chance Doug Peterson could get fired. You're, oh, okay, let me rephrase it. Two and fifteen, and fights in the parking lot, and you know, you know, what I mean, but barring something, Shad Khan has not shown a propensity to fire people. Look how long Gus Bradley lasted with yeah. the record he did. He's not firing Doug Peterson even if they win five games, no in matter. my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any. But, but again, back to the point is the perception of it is interesting. Let's take a break. Let's talk some college hoop after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back with my people. Aberdeen down with the Richard miss. Clayton, ball fake, puts it up, and puts it in. Google attacks, finds Samuel. Goes oh! up and throws it down. Clayton open in the corner. He's got two triples. Make it three. Florida now in a rush. Richard puts it up and puts in another. For the shot clock. Google has a step back. Oh! Triples. Clayton puts it up and got the foul. Six to shoot. Four seconds. Mullen has got to let it fly. Puts it in. Florida pulled away in the second half and picks up its first road win of the season and gets back to two and three in league play. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Always a Best Bet Monday here on The Frangie Show. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline, RJ Saunders. I'm Lauren Brooks with you. It was probably a little difficult to watch both Florida men's basketball and the NFL playoffs. Uh, I, for one, recorded Florida men's basketball. I watched some during halftime, but most of it I watched on Sunday. Happy to see Florida beat Missouri 79-67 on the road on Saturday. And Frank, surprisingly, Tyree Samuel was the leading scorer. Yeah, Missouri was really not very good. I, I didn't realize they were. That's his, They've taken the ball. That's his They've got one good player. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he was really good. <laughs> really good, yeah. That's as bad an SEC team as I've seen in a long time. I didn't know that that had happened. To well, them. wait till you see Vandy. They, they must be Oh, really they bad. are horrific. I haven't, I haven't watched. But the, I mean, Missouri looks like the Globetrotters. And the good so. thing is you get Missouri again and Vandy twice. You get Vandy twice. Yeah, yeah. so – and. And Missouri again at home. So Vandy uh, used to be good. They used to be good. Yeah, yeah. And, and very good. So, yeah. but, but watching the Missouri team, and it was frustrating because Florida should have been up by twenty in the first half, and they never. Still, I still didn't think the Gators played very well in that game. But they that was one. Florida doesn't outman SEC teams in basketball very often, except for their, their handful of really good years. So I was surprised Missouri wasn't better than they were. But that was a game Florida had to win. I. Uh, Here's the thing about the Gators. There are some – it's weird. I mean, FSU wins five in a row and they look like they can't get beaten and they lose a home game to Clemson. You know, it, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, but I but I think uh, Florida's got really nice pieces. My, my take on them, however many, 18 games in, really good pieces, but the hole isn't great. Do you, do you feel that way when you watch them? Because I, I, I feel piece. like, to me, they're like – you know how they're an infant – has the skull that it's soft yeah. mm-hmm. and it takes a while for the baby's skull to harden. Mm-hmm. That's the Florida men's basketball team to me. It's the, the I think eventually that baby is going to have a great brain and it's going to have a, a really strong skull and it's probably going to go on to do great things. <laughs> but it's still forming and it's still delicate and fragile. 
uh, but in time will be useful. And I think that's where the Florida men's basketball team is. I, I really like the, the construct of the team. I think they are offensive-minded. I think that they do a great job rebounding, and, and that's been uh, that's come up in almost every game except for Tennessee, who, I mean, to your point, Frank, might go to the Final Four. They looked ph- just phenomenal this past week. And, uh, and so I still like the makeup of the team, but I think this is – Again, because they've missed on some opportunities, they are on the outside looking in. They are going to have to play better basketball than what they've played. I think they're going to do it, but this is really put up or shut up time. I mean, this is the week to do it. You've got two games at home, uh, one game against Mississippi State where Mississippi State is is very highly respected uh, in the net. They're 40th. The Gators are 45th. And then you get a, a game this weekend at home against Georgia, who's not very good in the net. They're 81st. But if, if Florida can get to 4-3 and three in league play, find their footing, get some confidence, experience, oh, I don't know, a winning streak, then I think they can really start to find themselves. I, I feel like they're operating still in third gear with the potential to really kick it into a much higher level. So I'm still excited about it. But it's it's got to start happening now. They've got to go two and zero this week. If they go two and zero this week. I'm all in. If they go one and one this week, I'm disappointed. And obviously, if they go zero and two this week, they're they're done. Yeah, to me, the the issue is going to be what you just talked about in getting out manned and out physicaled. Mississippi State on Wednesday night, even though that's at home, that's in the Odom with a great Gator crowd. But Tolu Smith is a monster. He's a six ten, two hundred forty five pound power forward. Frank, who does Florida have that can defend him? He's coming off of a 25-point game against Vandy. I mean, like you said, Vandy's not great. I just don't – we've had that issue in the past. I just don't know that he – Tyree Samuel, I guess, is going to be the one to, to be asked to do it. I don't know that he can do that. Well, they got Florida – now, and, and, and Shimmy's back too, so they got numbers. But when Flor, Florida doesn't do well against a team that can out-physical them because they're just an okay team on the perimeter, they got to shoot the ball well. Hayes, I don't think either of those two games are going to be easy. I think I, oh, I, I don't think they're going to be easy at all. Yeah, they're both home games. Mississippi State is the most physical team in the league. That's why they beat Tennessee, and uh, and so I worry about this one. And Georgia's Georgia's not bad under Mike White. They're not great, but they're not bad. So, but two and zero this week, and now you're now if you're two and zero this week, you're fourteen and six. You're four and three in the league. Your net probably is in great shape. You know, so so we'll see. But yeah, this is a you're right. We. This is a very important – if they're going to be a tournament team and turn the corner in year two under Todd Golden, this is a very important uh, week for them. I'll tell you who's pretty good. UNF's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if for people that aren't paying attention, in the Atlantic Sun, UNF might have – Lauren, is it safe to say this might be his best team since the tournament team? Is that is it, is it possible? And I know, I know the year after the yeah, tournament team, so. they brought back a lot of those guys and weren't as good, but – but I wonder if this is This their team be- certainly had way lower expectations. That, that mm-hmm. team you're talking about the year after the, right. well, the tournament yeah. team had very high expectations. Yeah, so, so how about this? Best team since that group. Yeah, I, I definitely think you can say that. Now, everyone looks to the past few years, Carter Hendrickson and how good he was, but I don't think the surrounding team was as good as this team is. UNF is 4-1 and one in the league. Their only loss was to Stetson. 75-74, where they dominated the game. They just they got away. They ought to be they ought to be five and zero in the league. They I'm telling you, I watched that whole game. They outplayed Stetson. 
Since then, they've beaten Gulf Coast by double figures. They beat JU in a very good game. They beat Kennesaw by nine. They just beat Queens by 16. They have a good team. They've got nine losses, okay? Let me put this in perspective for you a little bit for you and for Matthew Driscoll's team and the nine losses. Of their nine losses, they lost at LSU by 12, which isn't bad. They lost at Iowa. They lost at FSU by 16 in a game they were in until probably the last 12 minutes. They lost to Georgia by 18 in a game they were in for a while. They got blown out at Miami. But their, of, their, of their nine losses, five are at LSU, at Iowa, at FSU, at Georgia, at Miami. Well, you're supposed to lose those five. Oh, yeah. That's five. You're, those are money games that you need to build your program or to, to maintain your program, and you're supposed to lose those games. And that's five games they lost that, you, that you were supposed to lose. The, uh, and they've been good ever since. And, again, they should have beaten Stetson. I'm telling you, they have a pretty good team. They play at Bellarmine Thursday, who suddenly is terrible. They're winless. Yeah, so all, yeah. so obviously all their guys left. They play then then they play at Eastern, who's good. That's that's the game. That's the game. They play Saturday. They play at Eastern Kentucky, who's good. But I'm telling you, they've got to keep an eye on this. They're fun. They they're like Matthew Driscoll's teams always do. They play fast. They get up a bunch of threes. They make them. I think this team's more physical than some of their recent teams. I think it's a more physical team than they've had in recent years. Yeah, and they're not tall, but they're physical. Yeah, and I think that's something that he worked really hard this offseason to get out of his guys after a year ago not really seeing what he wanted. And then a lot of those guys left. Like, I think shout out to Coach Driscoll and his staff. They just won their 228th game. That's now the most ever in the A Sun. So, certainly, that's a huge accomplishment. But he'd be the first to tell you it's the hard work of his team. Yeah, I think the there have been certain guys that have developed, and I never know how to say his last name, but the guy that's fairly new, Jake Vanderheiden, I think yep. is how you say it. He's been a huge presence for them too. Just got a, a 11 points over the weekend and 20 out of 22 minutes, but he had 17 the game before that. I against uh, Kennesaw State, I think he's coming on strong. But the veteran guys, Lanier and Dorian uh, James, and Dorian James, yeah. that's their guys. And, 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 and you, but I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, they're always going to be. And they lost heavy. a really good point guard. But I'm telling you, they're pretty good. They've yeah. made 29 more threes than anyone in the country. Is that right? 29 more three-pointers than anyone else playing D1 basketball, which I'll is be, like, what, 320 clubs now? Is that I did not know that. Yeah, they yeah. average 12.6 a game uh, in 20 games. They've made. made 253 makes. They average 12 makes a game? They average 12.6 makes a game. That's stupid. Yeah, that is a ridiculous number. I mean, so but I'm just telling you, keep an eye on them. When when JU or UNF has a special team, it's a really fun season. It really is. We saw it with JU two years ago. We saw it with UNF a number of those years. When they have one of those really special teams, uh, it's really it's, it's really fun. Uh, my heart breaks for JU. We saw just an amazing game, Lauren, when they beat Queens, mm-hmm. uh, seventy nine seventy seven on Thursday. Did you guys watch any of the Saturday game? Oh. I know that had. 19 lead changes. It had oh, wow. Back and forth again. Again, they're playing without their best player, too. You're playing with you're playing without you've, they've, they've played the entire conference season without their best player, uh, which has really hurt them. They're playing Kennesaw. Back and forth, back and forth. Kennesaw is pretty good. Down a point. Down a point with 10 seconds, 20 seconds to play. About 20 seconds to play. Maybe 15. Layup. Nye Black with a layup. No good. Down a point, 15 seconds. Pruitt gets the offensive rebound right under the basket, lays it up and missed it. He missed a layup. I mean, a layup to give him. Now, they'd have had to, they'd have had to defend. They'd have, but they'd have had a one-point lead with 12 seconds to play. 
and he missed the layup. Then they fouled, and they wound up losing 83-79. So they lost by four. But I just my heart broke for them because they're playing without their best guy. So I still root really hard for both those teams, man. I root really hard for both JUN and UNF. But it was a, a tough – and now they got to go play Eastern Kentucky on the road, again without Bryce Workman. And now you're one and four in the league. So, uh, But I root for both those teams hard. I really do. But UNF now, I'm telling you, if you get a chance to go out and watch them, that is a good UNF team. They have, they have a they are they are really we saw them up close to a terrific game against JU. They are, they have a really good team, so it'll be fun to watch. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk some more football. Let's uh, recap the weekend for you. Uh, let's look uh, uh, one more time. Let's talk about Ryan Nielsen, the brand new coordinator for the Jaguars, a big hire for Jacksonville. All that coming up. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. Great Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders. We want to thank our friends from The Best Bet. Don't miss now that $380 no-limit hold on Mega Milestone Satellite into the Winter Open main event. That's Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Three great locations. St. Augustine just off of I-95. The Jacksonville location is Monument Road and, of course, Orange Park on US-17. If you have not heard, uh, Ryan Nielsen apparently will be the new Jaguars defensive coordinator. He was last year the coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons, a rising star in the business now, a guy that uh, the Saints made co-defensive coordinator and assistant head coach to keep him. He had been the defensive line coach with the Saints uh, from 2017 through 2021. Uh, Coach O wanted to bring him back to LSU to be the coordinator there. The Saints matched and gave him a raise and made him assistant head coach. He stayed there in 22. Then Sean Payton's staff was gone, and he wound up with Atlanta. Uh, defensive coordinator, defensive line is well there. Uh, he started his career, went to USC, uh, played, uh, was a volunteer assistant under Coach O. Then he went to Ole Miss with Ed Ogeron uh, from 05 through 07. Later on, found his way to Dave Doran's staff at Northern Illinois and then, of course, uh, to NC State. So he was with Coach O and with Dave Doran in the college ranks before joining uh, um, the likes of Sean Payton in the NFL. Highly respected guy, rising star, only been a coordinator, a full-time coordinator one year. I told Hayes this earlier, Lauren, and I'll say it again, because Hayes asked an interesting question, which piqued my interest as well. Why make the decision now when the Wink Martindales and the Ron Rivera's and the the whoever else is still out there, the Mike Vrabels even are still out there? I think the answer is this is the guy they wanted. You don't make the hire this quickly this authoritatively, if indeed it's happening, uh, and the team hasn't announced this, why I keep saying it that way, but I think we're certain that it is, unless you really believe you got the right guy. People that I know speak really highly about the guy, the Raven, the Falcons. They say, well, how is that different than Mike Caldwell? Mike Caldwell's a wonderful guy and a good football coach, but he was an in-demand guy. When, when, when Doug Peterson hired him two years ago to be the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville, if Doug had not hired him, it wasn't like he was going to interview for three or four other defensive coordinator jobs. It just wasn't going to happen. This guy was on the list, I'm told, of a number of teams that were going to interview him to be their coordinator. He was a rising star, and if you were going to get him, you needed to go ahead and get him. We'll see if it turns out that way, but that's why Ryan Nielsen is their new defensive coordinator. 
Yeah, I think he brings some good things to the table as far as pressures. It, certainly the sacks went up for Atlanta. The problem is the giveaways uh, or the takeaways not there. Only eight interceptions by the Falcons defense this past season and eight forced fumbles that were recovered by the Falcons. That's problematic. Uh, you need both sacks and takeaways in order to be a successful defense. But the energy part is exciting and, and certainly a new face, uh, someone that's really good on the defensive line. That's good, uh, and he has a good track record with the secondary. Hayes, my question is always going to be when we have these conversations, what is the personnel going to look like for Ryan Nielsen? Those are some questions that we can't answer yet. Can't answer yet, and and obviously they have a, a good nucleus, but it certainly needs to get better, the interior defensive front, and uh, that seems to be his one of his specialties, so that's exciting uh, for Ryan Nielsen. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the linebackers are uh, – Good, but uh, can certainly be better. And then the secondary is going to be a big challenge for him in terms of how it's going to look. You know, Rayshon Jenkins probably not coming back. Antonio Johnson, they'll slide in there, I would imagine. Uh, but Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco coming off uh, disappointing injury plague seasons. Uh, you've got a, a veteran who's steady in Darius Williams. Uh, I'm assuming he is back. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how Ryan Nielsen pieces this together and what his relationship is with Doug Peterson in the sense of, is it Ryan Nielsen's defense? Is, you know, is is Doug really looking forward to getting more back into the offense after having such struggles a year ago? Again, he wanted, he was very vocal in training camp that he wanted the offense to go from, you know, 23, three points a game to, to 29. You know, he wanted to find that that extra touchdown. They went from 23.8 to 22.2, and the quarterback regressed. So I, yeah, I would imagine Doug Peterson, particularly since he's so loyal to Press Taylor, that it's he's going to view it as, well, I need to get more involved, go back a little bit more micro with the offense, not be as macro where I'm looking over everything as the head coach, and be more specifically in this, which is going to give Ryan Nielsen more of the responsibilities to to make sure the defense is functioning at a high level. I just worry about the inexperience with Nielsen. Yes, he's been a coordinator for one year. But again, I, I think it, it bears mentioning he just hasn't seen as a coordinator elite quarterbacks. I mean, when you look at the guys that he went against this season, it, it's – you know, and, and there are some great numbers to his credit. They were they were third down, uh, they were masterful. Uh, third in the league on third down at thirty three point eight percent. That's great. You'd sign up for that, obviously today. Uh, as Lauren mentioned, the uh, uh, the takeaways that was a low number. Uh, and, and Atlanta wasn't playing great defense before he arrived, and they played better defense. That's good. And they haven't invested a lot of first round talent on that side of the ball in Atlanta, uh, like this franchise has. So I also, you know, think he you have to factor that in to his benefit. But I am concerned that the Jaguars just hired a defensive coordinator who's been a coordinator for one year. And again, I hate to read off this list for the third time, but I think it, it, it is warranted. He faced Bryce Young, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield twice. None of those guys are stars uh, in his division. He then faced Jordan Love in week two before Jordan Love really knew what he was doing. Jared Goff in week three, uh, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud early, Sam Howell, Will Levis, Jaron Hall, 
who got knocked out early in that game, Josh Dobbs comes in and plays masterfully, and he had just arrived like two days before the game. Kyler Murray, Tim Boyle, Gardner Minshew, and Justin Fields. So uh, it's it's concerning to me that Ryan Nielsen has never had to coordinate a game against Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak, Herbert, Burrow, Cousins, Tua, Purdy, Stafford, Hurts. Like, he's kind of missed all the elite guys. And even the really good guys he saw, Love and Stroud, he saw early in the year. So that's – I'm just – I'm I'm concerned if he's ready. That's it, because it's such an important hire for the Doug Peterson era here. Is he ready for this? I hope he is, but I think it's also fair to have questions. I think the uh, other the other interesting part of this is what will the staff look like? What will be? How will the staff be comprised? Who will be involved in? And obviously, Doug will be uh, intricately involved, but who else will be involved in building the staff? I would guess that uh, Ryan Nielsen will have an awful lot to say. Again, I can tell you the Jaguar brass, for better or worse, really liked him. He was, he was high on their list. They hired him now because they didn't want him to, if indeed it's happening now. And, again, I keep saying that because the team hasn't announced it. Uh, it's reported everywhere. And, I, and when, when something's reported everywhere by the Adam Schefters of the world and it's not refuted by the team, that usually means it's happening. But I don't want to make it sound like it has been announced because so, it hasn't. Um but I would think this is a guy I know for a fact, a guy they really like. They really like this guy. And, again, you hire him now before somebody else gets him. So if that's the case, Hayes, I would imagine that you would let him be very involved in your in the building of that staff. I, I can't imagine. Now, he hasn't been a lot of places, so I don't know that he knows a lot. But I would think that that's a uh, – would, I would think he and Doug will build the remainder of that defensive staff together. I, I would think. I mean, I can't imagine that Ryan's not going to get at least three or four guys, if, if not, say, on you know all of them. So uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see now where it goes. I, again, I think they probably could have waited. I'm a little concerned that Atlanta initially blocked this, then relented, because it tells me that the head coach candidates that Atlanta interviewed, which we know is one of them's Bill Belichick, I obviously didn't want to work with him uh and that that's too strong uh, that does that I mean but but probably wasn't going to be their guy uh because otherwise why would the franchise go from saying no we're going to block this request to a week later saying you know what interview him we're not going to block it anymore because what they were hearing in their early interviews with their prime candidates was he's probably not in our plans so you need to release him uh because otherwise we're just you know, we're, we're penalizing a guy, a good guy for no reason. Uh, so that's, a, again, I see, I see good things. I see things that, uh, that are, I'm, I see variables I didn't think I'd see in this hire. I thought this hire was going to be grizzled, defensive guy, decade doing this, maybe even as a head coach, but tons of experience as a coordinator, probably even in multiple spots. And, that's not what this is. Doesn't mean it won't work, but I'm, it just feels more of a hope higher than a proven look at this guy's resume, look at what he's done, look at the guys he's coached, look at the defense that's, defenses he's produced. I'm surprised there isn't more of that for this hire. Going back to the Atlanta search and, and maybe why they released him, is it also possible that because they have no idea who they're going to hire as their head coach and they felt like, they were 
hurting his career because they have so many different candidates that they've interviewed, second interviews and all that? That's possible. I think it's more likely they now do know who they're going to hire. And I think, I think to me they do know who they're going to hire, and that person has given them an indication what they're doing at coordinator. That's what I think it is. I think it's more – I think I, – and I don't know. I my, Listen – They've interviewed everybody but Carline, and Hayes turned them down. I mean, the, I mean, the, I mean the the Atlanta Falcons have interviewed every possible. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, oh, is there yeah. anybody they've missed? Oh, it's a wide net. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, think there's like 14 for sure. people. It's amazing how many people they've interviewed, and and by the way, they want to tell you who they've interviewed. They run oh, yeah, down the street they, telling you that they've interviewed somebody. I mean, it's, I've never seen a team release so many completed interviews. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Usually yeah. you have to work to get that. Right. Now they just tell you. Nah, yeah. yeah, we, we, you don't yeah. have to. We'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just interviewed Dom Capers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many people they're interviewing for that job. So I think they, I think to your point, Lauren, I think they have an idea. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's, hey, listen, we're not close to doing this. We're not going to hold this cat up anymore. You know, let him go do his thing. But I think more than anything else, they either A, know who they're hiring, or they've narrowed it to two or three, both of whom have said, um, here's where I'm going with coordinator. I think it's happened to Gus Bradley since he left Jacksonville at least twice where there's been a head coaching change where he's been because he's been a defensive coordinator oh. pretty much every year. What's I think happened? it is every What's year. What's happened at the Raiders and the Colts. I was going to say. Yeah. So I think it's happened multiple times yeah. where there's been a change at head coach, right. but he was under contract, and they did not let him out of it. Right. And right. they basically said to the candidates, this is going to be your defensive coordinator. Right. Or, the co- or they were smart enough to say, hey – I would love to have Gus, but it so it does happen. Yeah, that's right. Where you know that's right. It does. So the fact that you know Ryan Nielsen was obviously not on whoever right. Atlanta right. hired, and again because it's a wide net, it does make me wonder: yeah. was it three or four that basically said no? I mean, nothing against him, but but we have we're going to go in a different direction. Right. Well, here's what I will tell you: if it's Bill Belichick, he's picking his defensive coordinator. He's Bill Belichick. Um, if it's Jim Harbaugh, he's picking his defensive coordinator. So I think it comes down to you know what I mean. If it's some, if it's Ben Johnson, they might have said, "Hey, you're taking Ryan Nielsen." But if it's Belichick or Harbaugh, they're not telling him who his coordinator is going to be. I could pretty much tell you that. We'll take a break. More in a moment. Ten times telling a two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on Ten Ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. Time now for the Sky Life Elite Take Flight Moment of the Week. Sky Life Elite, North Florida's premier private air charter. And second down, launch wide open. Kelsey has the touchdown. You're going to watch. A motion goes back and forth, but Kelsey's going to go and get back into this area. Look at this. To Lauren Brooks's point, how do they leave Travis Kelsey that open? He is wide open in the end zone for a 22-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. That was late second quarter to give the Chiefs a 13-10 lead. They ultimately go on and pull the upset. They were the underdog in the game. Pull the upset and defeat Buffalo 27-24 to advance to the AFC Championship game. That is our Take Flight Moment of the Week brought to you by our good friends at Skylife Elite. Again, North Florida's premier private air charter. Drive up to Craig Airport, get on the plane, go. No canceled flights, unruly passengers, layovers. Give them a call, 490-9332. You can also find them at flyskylife.com. Question. Rules question. 
Rules official. Yes. Good rule, bad rule. Fumble out of the end zone comes to the 20. I love the rule. I'm shocked. This is a basic tenet of football. I mean, to me, this would be the equivalent of saying, well, I don't like that, you know, they ruled the, the, an incomplete pass because the receiver, he got one foot in. I, I think that should be the rule. Why does he have to get two feet in? That seems just way too hard. So now it's, that's a bad rule. You should only have to get one foot in like college and to, to, for it to be a touchdown. It's dumb. We've always had that in football. And, and again, that is, as a defender, that is what you're counting on. Oh, yes, you've given up. You've bent. You've given up some yardage. They're right at the goal line. But I know if I can punch the ball out and get it to go out of bounds, it's going to be our ball. It's a turnover. I, I've always loved that rule. I'm shocked at the backlash to it. Why should the offense protect the ball? Your job is to protect the football. What do you think? I know they're going to have conversations about it. but probably gonna, like, It's probably going to be changed. Yeah, I don't like that it should be changed. I'm with Hayes. I think it's the correct rule. It is your job to secure the football across the, the end zone. And look, like you get so many different ways to help you score. If you put it over the pylon, they call that a touchdown. If you just reach it across, you don't even have to secure it the entire time, but you have to secure it across the goal line uh, that one time to get the touchdown. I like it. Jaguar topics are way better when I can – always argue and disagree with your negative ass. But mm-hmm. uh, the truth of the matter is, why would they change this? Yeah. Why, 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 and why are so many people yelling about it being a bad rule? People yeah. are crybabies. Because, because it's no, always no, been no, no, What would they change it to? That's the thing, too. Would like, they change it the, to the ball goes back to where it was fumbled? Probably the defense gets the ball wherever it was fumbled. The defense gets the ball. Well, no, I think no, they, they want they, the they, offense to retain possession. Yeah, I mean, the really? De- yeah. yeah. The def- then, I, then I think the. Just like if the, it's fumbled off the sideline. Well, then everybody would be throwing yeah. the yeah. ball into the goal line. So, yeah. in the end zone. So, yeah. what, the people that want it changed, what do they want? What I've never heard anybody say. Because people, right. people think it's the worst rule of all time. Yeah, which I don't, I don't so, get. So, so, so. so my question then would be, why, what do people want it changed to? Because I haven't heard that. I haven't heard anybody I haven't say, what do, what, do they, what do you want it changed to? Do you want to, if you want it changed to uh, the offense retains possession at the spot of the fumble, well, then everybody will just be tossing the ball at the end zone. Right. If you want the, if the defense, does the defense get the ball at the two? Would they rather have the defense get the ball at the two-yard line? I still think the current rule is better, but I could live with that more than the offense keeps the ball. You know? and, and again, you bring up the best point, which is, well, what is the alternative? What yeah. are you trying to get the competition committee to change this to? And you're right, I haven't. It's just been, oh, this is the worst rule of all time, but I'm offering no solution right. for fixing it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see how a they should never change it. To me, it would be the it's a basic tenet of football. This isn't something that they put into the game 15 years ago. Yeah. For, I mean, it is since they've been playing football. Right. I, if you fumble across the goal line and it goes out of bounds, it will be a touchback. Right. You've got to protect the football at the most precious spot on the field, the goal line. Yeah, the opponents of the rule, their their argument is if you fumble the ball anywhere else on the field out of bounds, the offense keeps it. Why, if you fumble it over the goal line, does the offense not keep it? Would they keep it everywhere else? Well, to your point, because that's the rule. Well, well I mean, why don't I get points when yeah. I when I get the ball to the three yard right, line? Right, right. Because you're not in the end right, zone. And that's the right. But I agree with you. So I, uh, but uh, but everywhere you look, every people of people that know more than I know, 
tell you they're going to change it. I agree. I, yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm shocked by it. I think it's ridiculous. I think yeah. it's the offense always already gets way too many of the rule breaks, and and to take this away from defenses, I I just I think it's absurd. I and again, what is the change? Is it well the offense is going to keep the ball, but we're now going to put them at like the move them back to like the twenty, and that's going to be their penalty. You can't possibly just say. Well, they're just going to keep the ball where they fumbled it. Then they, there's no penalty at all to the guy fumbling. Well, how is that? How does that line up with any football principle that we've ever been taught? From what I read, no team has offered to propose the alternative to the rule being changed. So while people, there's momentum in the NFL community, but I don't think the owners have received any sort of proposals as far as suggesting the alternative, to your point. So I don't know that it does get changed. Yeah, and, and I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. It just, again, I, everywhere I look, I mean, people, it's almost like John McClain and, and Florio Eisen. Oh, is Florio is a big, oh, these this guys. is the worst rule mm-hmm. in football. Yeah. I've seen Florio say it a lot. Yeah, but I've never, me too, but I've never heard him say, here's what, they, here's what it should be. Correct. I assume what they're saying is the ball should go back to the offense where it's fumbled. I'm assuming that's what they're going to call They're going to ask for. The ball goes back to the off where Wherever the ball goes out of bounds, you can't have you can't have it in the end zone. So the ball is going to go back to the offense where it was fumbled. I'm guessing that will be the rule. But you well, should be penalized for fumbling. No, I'm with you. But what, what do you what do you think the rule? Let's assume they're all right and it's changed. Wouldn't that be it? It goes back to. the I ball. would think you'd have to punish them with yardage and and put them at the twenty and make them drive back down there at least. Uh, I I just don't know how you can just say, well, they fumbled at the one. We're going to give them the ball at the one. I just I don't know how the and there if the counter is well the defense didn't get it either it's not their job to recover that ball their job is to knock it out and have it go out of bounds to get the touchback so to me it's just it, it doesn't make any sense and I I don't mind change I I'm all for the, getting rid of the onside kick I'm all for the fourth and fifteen you know make it take it and 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 supplementing the onside kick. I'm all for the the way they were doing the kickoff in the uh, whatever league that was, USFL or XFL, what, where they line up right, ten right. yards apart and the kicking. Somebody's at the twenty, the mm-hmm. lines at the twenty-five, the other lines at the thirty-five. The guy just takes the kick and then they go from there. I com- can completely get behind that rule because I think it brings the kickoff return back into football and it does it in a safe fashion. So I'm not like no, this none of this can ever be changed, but this is a basic principle of football I just don't know how you change it to me it would be like coming in and saying uh we now want it to be nine yards for a first down because it'll help the offense more and the reason the rule does make sense to your point Lauren there should be risk there should if you you reach it that if you reach the ball out and and, I mean even last night um um Nicole Hardman yeah Hardman you know he was trying to reach the ball you know, and, and you're taught not to reach the ball. Yeah. So he he made a critical error. A fu- he made a fundamental mistake. He made a critical fundamental mistake, and that fundamental mistake almost cost them the game. Yeah. The Jaguars, by the way, just made Ryan Nielsen official. Okay, so it is. So official. he is the defensive coordinator. Ryan Nielsen, the Brent, as we expected, as we knew. Now we know for sure. Ryan Nielsen, the defensive coordinator of the Jaguars. Uh, news and notes are next. Lauren wraps the program after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. We've got a giveaway for you, a good one. We've got a pair of tickets to go see Shen Yun. Shows are coming January 30th and 31st to the Jacksonville Center for the Performing Arts. Shen Yun revives 5,000 years of civilization through choreographed dance, music combining classical, Western, and Chinese instruments, and dynamic 3D backdrop. Visit ShenYun.com for tickets. Like I said, a pair of tickets. Call number four right now, 641-1010. Call number four, 641-1010. I see you, RJ, playing that Florida Georgia line. Got to get them back together or they're going to go the way of Hall & Oates, where one's going to end up suing the other one. Uh, like Hayes said right before we went to break, the Jacksonville Jaguars did officially announce the hiring of defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. We've talked about him throughout much of the day. But, Frank, you're excited. He brings a lot of energy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to misrepresent this, Lauren. I don't know how good he'll be. I don't think any of us do. He's only been a coordinator one year. and uh, But I think there's something to be said for trusting Doug Peterson, which I do. He's a really good coach. I think he's got this thing headed in the right direction. Uh, they had a month and a half hiccup, and I hate that for them, but I like where they are. And I called around about the guy or on the guy today, and I heard a lot of good things, enthusiastic. He was a rising star, and he was a name that people wanted to interview. I think – I and I'm not knocking Mike Caldwell. Mike Caldwell did fine. But I don't think if Doug Peterson had not hired Mike Caldwell two years ago, anybody else was hiring him. I think this is a guy that people were going to try and bring in and try and hire. He's a hot name. He's a rising name. The Saints worked very hard to keep him when he was headed to LSU as a coordinator uh, two years ago. And then when the Sean Payton thing ended, then it turned out that the, the Falcons jumped all over him. I think he Hayes, I think this guy was going to get interviews and might have landed somewhere else, and I think that's why the Jags moved quickly. Yeah, and, and again, now that this hire has been made, we can spin it forward a little bit and talk about you know what will be coming defensively, but how are they going to fix this offense? Because no one's changing there. And again, this is an offense that had a staggering regression a quarterback that was getting MVP hype that ended up having a dreadful season not all his fault but lots of things to fix on that offense center right guard what are you going to do at receiver I, I I mean it's how do you get Trevor on track and and not just on track but how do you elevate him to the elite because as we see these AFC playoffs it's not like the NFC where you've got journeymen and you know, guys that have been traded that were sort of afterthoughts in a deal that are finding success at a second place. The AFC guys are all stars, and it's only going to get more so. So you've got to find Trevor Lawrence's stardom. You've got to harness it. And they took a massive step back last year. Ryan Nielsen might be great. But if Doug Peterson can't get Trevor Lawrence playing better and the offense as in general playing better, if they lose another point and a half off of the point and a half they lost this season, none of it's going to matter. They're all going to be out of work, and we're going to be sitting here wondering what is to be made of Trevor Lawrence, who looked like he was on his way to becoming a star. That's the key to the franchise, and that's where – uh, our attention will now go to now that the staff looks like it's it's fully in place. Nielsen will hire who he wants, and with you know obviously Doug's input. But the guys that are going to be making the big decisions, it appears, whether it's personnel or in-game decisions, we all know now who everybody is. And I'm in the campaigns of 
Trevor Lawrence was injured. He had a terrible offensive line, and I don't think his receivers were great. So I don't put as much stock in Trevor Lawrence extremely regressed and had such a disappointing Same. season. That's where I think. So I think they've got work to do on the offensive line, work to do in the receiver room. Uh, certainly decisions to be made there for sure. I totally agree with you. Now, listen, he may, he's got he's to quit making bad plays. He's sure. made, he made too many bad plays. It, was, it wasn't lack of good plays. It was too many bad plays. And I agree, and but I, but I agree with you. I, he played. He had four injuries, legitimate four legitimate injuries, real injuries. He lost his best receiver the last month of the season. One of his best receivers, Zay, best receivers, Zay Jones, was in and out of the lineup. I didn't think the offensive line was good at all. He played eight games without his left tackle. Uh, I, I'm with you on Trevor Lawrence. I, I think um, the uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to bounce back just fine. Since 2011, the AFC Championship game has included either the Chiefs or the Patriots. That's a 13-year run. Eight straight years for the Patriots. The Chiefs are on a six-year run right That's now. an amazing step. <laughs> it really I is mean, ama- uh, Since 11, it's been one of those two teams. It's, uh, that's amazing. And, and look, I mean, it, with Patrick Mahomes there, all the things that they've overcome, I mean, they have a litany of problems too. Doesn't matter. With Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they just – make it to the Final Four, or if not the Super Bowl, if not win the Super Bowl, and we'll see. I, I do think they're going to lose to Baltimore, uh, but it's certainly not a ton of confidence <laughs> in that pick. You're not betting but, the two and a half on the Ravens? But I would, I would take the Ravens uh, straight up in this game. Okay. Well, to your point, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens, the four times he's played them. In 2018, 377 passing yards, two touchdowns. 2019, 374 passing yards, three touchdowns. 2020, 385 passing yards, five touchdowns. And 2021, 343 passing yards, three touchdowns. That's all? (laughs) That's all. That's the problem is there's not just a mystique around Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs like we talked about earlier. He's just freaking that good. And, yes, Travis Kelsey didn't have the best regular season, especially the end of it, and then has – Two touchdowns, and Isaiah Pacheco runs the ball super well when they need him to. It's just uh, – it's a team that if you're rooting against them, like I think most people here in Duval are, it's really hard because they just keep winning. Uh, Frank, did you see that ESPN's five most-watched games ever have happened in the past 13 months, and the divisional playoff game between the Texans and the Ravens was the most-watched game on ESPN ever, 31.8 million viewers. Any sport? Any sport or just, just football, just NFL? Uh, I think it's any sport. Probably is any sport. Yeah, because yeah. the NFL. Yeah, the, what the NFL did, Hayes, right? What what ESPN did right is they got some really important football games on cable. For the longest time, uh, the big games always had to be over the air, so they got some really important games on cable. So I'm not real surprised by it. Yeah, it's just it's it's amazing how football just continues to grow and grow and grow. Where you know Mark Cuban five six years ago said. It compared the NFL to the hog that gets slaughtered, and it was just going to be an oversaturation, and that hasn't happened at all. I mean, the appetite for football, college or, or NFL, just continues to to grow by leaps and bounds. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is that C.J. Stroud has a heck of a problem because Ryan Nielsen has arrived in Jacksonville. Um, Wish him the best of luck. Looking forward to getting a chance to meet him and cover him, and and hopefully he was the right pick. Uh, There you have it. Uh, Yeah, my takeaway, the Jaguars did finish their defensive coordinator search. They have now officially named Ryan Nielsen as defensive coordinator. 
I am a little surprised that they didn't wait for the coaching carousel to shake out a little bit because I do think some of the names that we've heard that are really hot names, including former Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, might still be a, might still be available. And I do think with all of his experience, Vrabel would have been a great defensive coordinator here. And so Nielsen has just a year. But that also means that you're as a defensive coordinator. That also means he's easy to mold, and maybe that's what Doug Peterson wanted. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that in the real Ryan Nielsen thing, honest to God, I think that this is a guy, for them to move this swiftly, I'm very convinced this is the guy they wanted. I, I am, I am. We'll see if it's right or not, but I'm very convinced that they were. I mean, look, he did his end of the season press conference the day after the season, and an hour later, that staff was gutted. I mean, they, they have been. They have been very – I'll tell you what I told you before, and I'll stand by this. They believe this is the window. This – not next – not in three years, not in two years, not a year ago. This is the window. They don't like the way it ended. They, they, they were not very good the last six weeks of the season, and it cost them a playoff spot. But they believe the window's there. I think they like their quarterback. I think they like their running back room. I think they like their receiver room. I think they like their linebackers. I think they like their secondary. They've got some work to do. They certainly like their edge now. They've got some work to do uh, in the interior of the lines. But I think that's why I think a lot of swift stuff's happening very quickly. I really believe that. See what's going on. Now let's say hello to Rick Below. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. How you doing? I'm Ryan, great. The Ryan Nielsen era is about to Oh, begin. yeah. I'm ready for it. Oh, not Harry Nielsen, although Harry Nielsen is fantastic. <laughs> he was back in the day. He kind of, kind of ran with the Rat Pack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know. Wasn't Cheap um, Tricks guitarist oh, Rick Nielsen? Yeah. Absolutely. From Chicago. Yeah. Where's the quirky hat and has that stupid guitar with like eight yeah. arms? Right. <laughs> yeah. He, they pull it out of the box like yeah. for like one song. Did you guys ever concert. see them live? They're supposed to be fantastic. No, I did. I, I didn't. never have. I never I've did. seen them. They were in town. They opened for uh, they opened for Rod yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Over oh, at yeah. Daly's place about a year ago. Yeah. I've seen them three times. They they actually played in the like Emporium. Boston, this is like six, seven years ago. Boston up three nothing against the Tampa Bay Lightning playoff game. Yeah, Tampa Bay comes from behind, wins. My brother and I walk out holding our heads. Cheap trick out in the <laughs> out in the garden, <laughs> out in the beer garden, playing a free concert in Tampa. Wow, so well, we that made kinda, it all better, yeah. man. I mean, it's, uh, even though you had the three nothing loss, yeah. uh, Harry Nielsen and Rick Nielsen not related to Leslie Nielsen. I don't think. Oh, no, great! Leslie's actor, been gone man. for a while. Okay. Okay. Right. Yes, one there of the very, go. very good ones. There great go. comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Very funny. So there's all that, Rick. I just want to let you know we're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> the plane's going down. Uh, we're all counting on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to explore. We're going to go out to Atlanta. got a guest waiting in about 25 minutes. Um, you know, what, six years uh, as a co-defense coordinator in New Orleans, solid defense there, and you know, obviously the turnaround last year. But I don't know a great deal about him. I've read that, you know, he really prefers the man-type style, particularly in his secondary. So, uh, looking forward to uh, to learning more about him, and you know it appears they got the guy uh, that they really do like. So we'll see what takes place here. Right. Rick Thank, in you. Tonight. Thank you, Rick. Rick Beluga's in the night right now. Hey, this is something real bad. <laughs> this man needs a hospital. <laughs> a hospital? <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's a big building with patients, so that's not important <laughs> now. Well done. That was much better than no, my uh, Jimmy Chitwood. <laughs> Folks, that's our program. Rick Lou goes into the night right now. We'll be back tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Praise Lauren and RJ. I'm Frank Frangie. So long. <laughs>